This episode is sponsored by Luminous Creative Agency. Headquartered in downtown Providence, Luminous works with businesses and organizations to enhance their marketing efforts by developing high-quality creative content, such as video, ad campaigns, design, branding, and more. You can learn more by visiting Luminous.agency. That's L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S dot agency. Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the ocean state. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. Um, hope everyone's doing well. On today's special Who to Watch episode, we have the one, the only Travis Escobar, the president of Millennial Rhode Island. He was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, he, he was <laughs> wonderful, actually. Uh the the conversation was cool. I didn't know that much about Millennial Rhode Island before mm. we started. I had heard of it. I heard a lot of people talk about it. Uh, it seemed kind of like a nebulous concept. I didn't really get what it was. Yeah. Uh, so not only getting to talk to him about himself, but about the uh, concept and operation behind what Millennial Rhode mm. Island actually is was was cool just for me. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Know? And we also got to talk to Travis about a few of his other, um, you know, areas of passion and work. Um, he works at Fidelity. He also is starting a new liquor company called Poppy's Coquito, um, which in the springtime should be released. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, Travis was really, really, really interesting. Um, like in the episode, I've I discussed that I've been in similar groups as him but this was the first time I've actually gotten to speak and have a conversation and man everything that he said and everything that he talks about um we get into like talking about the education system and all these things that he really is putting a lot of his effort into to make a change to make millennials want to stay in Rhode Island um I mean I'm staying here because of Travis, no other reasons. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> one reason and one reason only. Uh, and and the, another thing we talk about too um, is just kind of the stigma behind the word millennials and, you know, how it's been used to generalize like just young people and any ridiculous trend that seems to happen. They just blame on millennials because it was like the hot word. And how but we're cool. We are. We're very cool people, uh, if we do say so ourselves. And, uh, <laughs> but he kind of goes into uh, how they've, tried to kind of take that uh the name and turn it into a more positive light and uh just shine a little bit of light on the people doing great things that are part of the age group uh and then one other thing i wanted to round off on uh is just uh once again if you've listened to our past couple of episodes we just let everybody know that we're still having our who to watch party but due to uh covid and omicron and all of this fun exciting stuff uh we are changing the date uh so we're switching that to april 26th i'm saying it slowly to make sure i'm getting it it is right right. april 26th and it's april 26th so tuesday april 26th uh still at the same place narragansett brewery in providence Still all of our same great sponsors, uh, and we'll actually, hopefully by then it'll be nice out. We can open the bay doors. We can enjoy ourselves and really honor our uh, folks in the Who to Watch the way that they should be honored. Totally. And one other thing that I think is worth mentioning in case someone doesn't pick up on it on the episode, but Travis's organization, Millennial RI, actually had a lot of people from this year's Who to Watch on their board, which I think is very, you know, Nick and I love a full circle moment. It's very full circle. It's very, you know, our community in Providence and Rhode Island at large is very um, intertwined and we all really want to see the best and most success for each other. So it was really cool. Yeah. And completely coincidental. 
Like we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know that. Uh, we our, had no idea. But our editorial staff was, uh, you know, sourcing uh, from the community and trying to figure out. We were trying to figure out who was going to be on the list. Uh, it didn't even dawn on us that we, when we went to go do our photo shoot, they were all going to know each other. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was very funny. It was that was that was very cute. But yeah, we we really love all of our Who to Watch um, episodes and all of our Who to Watch people, and we're really proud of this list and and so excited to see what all these people are up to, especially Travis. Yeah, we are. And we have uh, this is our second to last episode. So after this, we'll have one more uh, who to watch and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. So make sure you if you haven't listened to all the who to watches, go back, listen to some of them uh, and get to know some of these great people. Heck yes. Have fun. Enjoy the episode. I'm, I'm Travis, I'm very excited to talk to you because what's funny is, is before, you know, all this you know, who to watch stuff and being mm. in the same circles. I actually followed you on Twitter like a long time ago because I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you tweeted something about Foster Gloucester not having schools one time. And yeah. I, <laughs> and I remember being like, I had seen you before, you know, like when you're on Twitter and someone like someone you might know or someone likes a tweet from someone and it pops up on your feed. And I remember seeing you, someone liked it that we had mutual followers. And I was like, oh my God, this is very funny. And um, that was kind of like my jump into like starting a Twitter on my own, which is not I have like 10 followers. It's, I'm not like a Twitter person. But um, it's funny because when I you know started to learn more about you, I didn't even realize that Brian's company helped with your website. And I remember clicking on your website and being like, oh, shoot, this thing is awesome. And then through, you know, talking and just like being around people, it turns out that we knew the same people, which was cool. Yeah, very Rhode Island. Very right? Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I love Twitter, like in terms of the uh, um, aspect of getting kind of like instant news. Uh, and every once in a while, I'll have a, a funny thought, I think, to, to pass along. Like your fa- I don't even remember what it was about, but it was something about like Foster Gloucester not having school. And I'm like, only if you live or lived in Rhode Island would that make sense that to joke. anyone <laughs> like foster gloucester has no school or something no school, whatever foster gloucester yeah like come on it, get us yeah school. you know it's snowing providence <laughs> kid i'm looking at you know i'm I'm looking you know who's getting cancellation foster gloucester is always the first one right like, <laughs> yep. the first one and then it's like are we gonna get a delay are we gonna be canceled and then a lot of times you know providence is delayed and it's like why is Foster Gloucester going to take off? <laughs> the answer is always no. Always. It's only Foster Gloucester. Yeah. We need to get like the 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 school like board member on our podcast so we can be like, why? We need to ask you a very hard question. Why does Foster Gloucester never have school? Bus yeah. routes and streets. Yeah, it's great. It's just so funny. Um, but tra- so Travis, all this roundabout way to say I'm super excited to get to actually talk to you instead of just seeing you on Twitter or seeing the cool things that you have going on. Um, even with um, Nick was a judge for the Harbor One pitch contest. And it's mm. funny because I had already heard about you through Millennial Rhode Island. Yeah. And I wasn't wearing a, a hoodie and a hat when I did that. So, so he was a <laughs> yeah. So he was judging and I was there and I was like, oh, my God, that's Travis. He's here too like oh my god this is incredible so it's like again very rhode island yeah yeah and um uh blessed and fortunate to be involved in you know uh, uh quite a few things so mm. and then you know you just get to meet a whole bunch of different people and experience and i have a whole bunch of different experiences so totally and um that kind of bridges the the way to our first question for you is just who is travis what is what is 
where did you, how did you get here? How did you get here? <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in the um, south side of Providence on, on, you know, on Public Street off the broad uh, in an affordable housing um, with, a, with a single mother uh, was, you know, who, she turned to be a um, domestic violence uh, um, gun control uh, sort of advocate wow. um, through those experiences and 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 all of that. But yeah, I'm the first in my family to graduate sort of high school and and college. Uh, so in terms of like you know who I am, right? So uh, you know I I have you know quite a few um, different titles. I mean my my full time job. I'm very fortunate to be working at uh, Fidelity Investments where I manage their uh, community relations. Um, as a lot of people know, I was highlighted in the article. You know, I'm one of the co-founders and president of Millennial Rhode Island. Uh, sit on the school board um, and also uh, dabbling into the uh, liquor industry with um, Poppy's Coquito and being a, um, a, a owner there and the COO there. But um, in terms of who I am, I, I'm just an individual that really loves uh, the, the state of Rhode Island, loves uh, my community and um, is trying to use all of my uh, different talents and skill set um, to just do like just great things um, in, in my life and, and, and for uh, our community. Um, and again, like, you know, how I sort of got to, to, to this moment uh, after, you know, after college, um, I was very much inspired by the Obama 08 campaign. Um, and I was like, oh, I really am interested in political science and public administration. I was sort of a back of the class type of student in high school, and that reversed in, in college. I went to Rick, um, and I became a, uh, a student body president, which you know I still look fondly uh, on those experiences in terms of helping plan concerts and uh, build programs to help. Uh, students out either with uh, half off on ripped discount fairs or looking to get them um, free books if they participated into student activities. But after college, one of those things was, all right, you know, I got, I, I was well networked in, in Rhode Island College. I actually was able to go to the State of Union address in 2012 as a guest of uh, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, um, which was, you know, really great experience. Great ab workout in terms of like standing up, sit down in terms of the clapping <laughs> aspect. Got to see Obama, which was one of the reasons that you know inspired me to um, to enter into the political science public admin uh, field. But when I got to college, I'm like, I don't know anyone. You know, how am I going to be, you know, well versed and get connected into around community? And I remember one of the first purchases I made uh, was. Uh, um, business cards from Vista Print. It was, I think, $15 for 500 uh, business cards. And I remember I didn't have a card at the time. I was, you know, really broke. I think I had $50 when I made that $15 investment. And I was just putting those business cards everywhere. Uh, and that really just started my experience of we really needed a, another, uh, our independent networking organization for young professionals. I didn't see a lot of programming, I didn't see a lot of diversity. And then it really just opened my eyes and just opened me up to really just get connected to around community and do what I'm, I'm doing now in terms of just going out and 
and meeting people because I didn't know if I wanted to stay in Rhode Island when I graduated. Um, and I would say the summer of 2013 and into 2014 was sort of like a big year to realize like there was there was a lot of um, there was there was a lot worth staying uh, in the state. So, uh, you know, I'll stop there because I think that, <laughs> that 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 pretty much like that pretty much was a catapult to, to led to, to where I'm at today. And what I thought was really cool is after the list went out on, on who the people from who to watch the honorees were, like a lot of people were like, we know Travis, we were part of we're part of millennial Rhode Island, like all this stuff. And even when we chatted with Aya um, from Bintimani, like one of his first things was like Travis and, and millennial, like their hashtag is choose Rhode Island, like or sorry, choose R.I. But, you know for people who are not on Twitter, choose Rhode Island. Um, yeah. And it, it's it, it's so cool that you offered this space for people who could live here, could have been born here or came here from Boston or um, Chicago or wherever they may have been from and felt connected to a community of diverse individuals who I'm assuming, based off of the people that I know that have been involved, stem go from being restaurateurs to business owners to financial planners to um, chef, like all sorts of people are part of Millennial Rhode Island. And it, it's cool to see like when we did the Who to Watch, like people were like, oh yeah, we're part of that. We're part of that. We're part of that. And I'm like, this is like why we are so happy that we get to shine a light on on this stuff because clearly people have utilized Millennial RI that you might not even have known about, you know? Yeah, and you know how we started uh, Millennial Rhode Island is you know when I got out of college again passing the business cards I was one of the first volunteers for the Alorza uh, for mayor campaign so I'm going out there meeting a bunch of people um, and again you know I, I did not see a lot of programming for for young professionals but during that time was a lot of negative articles about millennials uh, I think one of the famous um, or, or infamous ones was. A Time Magazine cover that's like millennials, lazy, narcissistic, blah, blah, blah. like it's putting all the the stereotypes about um, uh, our generation. And I, through sort of the Alorza campaign and other networks, I had met with um, one of the co-founders, uh, Dione Garcia, um, Stephanie Gonzalez, and Erlen Rogel, and we, we were kind of talking about creating a, um, a young professional group. Uh, uh, at first, it was supposed to be a Latino young professional group. But I've been reading so much about the, the brain drain. I think there was a recent article about the brain drain uh, at the Projo. Ian Donis had written about it before. A couple of other individuals had written about it before. And growing up in Rhode Island, it was always this, this atmosphere of like, I can't wait to leave Rhode Island. Like, I remember being around other young people in high school. Like, I, I can't wait to just leave the state, go somewhere else. Um, and I kind of pitched to the other co-founders you know, saying like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? You know, we kind of we kind of opened up this concept to, to everyone, to our, our whole, you know, young professional networks. Um, and that definitely took shape uh, there. And I remember just meeting with a lot of individuals. Um, and I remember creating a, a PowerPoint deck, had a whole lot of ideas about uh, uh, Millennial Rhode Island. Initially, it was called Millennial Professional Group. Uh, of Rhode Island. And one of the things I found out is that if, if you go out and reach out to someone, someone's going to be um, willing to to help. 
what I didn't know how to build a nonprofit, right? Like I'm the first person to graduate college in my family. I got no idea what I'm doing. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall, trying to get expertise from people. I don't got a lot of money in my 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 bank account to try to like start up a lot of what you need to start up, right? And when we when I did an op-ed, I think the end of 2014, um, it taught it just it just hit a tone to a lot of people with talking about you know the need to keep young professionals uh, in the state. Like I think I definitely struck a tone there. And it, it led to, you know, getting funding for the 501c3, helping to get a ton of young professionals interested in wanting to, to join the board and meeting with individuals. Um, and in terms of, you know, what, what you're talking about, a lot of people have had interactions with us. I think it's because, you know, those networking pieces like pre-pandemic, um, we had, you know, I think 2019, we had over, you know, 1,200 people came out to different various events. We did, um, we've done a lot of financial literacy working events where we had over 400 people um, attend in person to learn how to buy a home, learn how to build a budget, um, learn how to start a business. Uh, and I think along with our, our social media apparatus and, you know, a scholarship program, there's been a lot of touch points uh, with a lot of different people, fortunately, to at least spread a good message about Rhode Island uh, to, to young people. Um, so I've been very fortunate to, to, to work on that project, um, have that, as a lot of people say, side of the desk from all the full-time stuff that, you know, that, that I've done. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, I can't wait to a point where we don't have, where, where we, hopefully COVID can like really, <laughs> really like step away. And cause I think the in-person interaction is just, is just so important to, mm-hmm. to just continue around. Yeah. And I think you had said like one of the reasons why you started Millennial Rhode Island is like there's this spin. And I think for the most, I mean, everyone in this conversation right now, I would think is considered a millennial. Um, Maybe I know that there's always like specific age ranges, but like who the heck knows what that even is. But I think we're all we've all heard the conversation about like millennials are lazy. They're entitled. They're this. They're that. And it's like, you know, I think that as millennials, we grew up in a time that like I know every generation grows up in a time like like no one else. But like our generation was the first generation, not first, but one of the first to like all of all of us are in like so much college debt. Like all of us are trying to find something that we're like kind of passionate about. Like we don't want to have to live a life where we are miserable by the job we work. We want to be surrounded by like-minded individuals who are trying to achieve the same things and you know, maybe maybe part of being a millennial is feeling entitled, but I think entitled being entitled to like a safe place to hopefully someday make a good amount of mo- like good money enough to support your lifestyle and to be around other people who care the way you do and to see diversity and to, you know, then I'm okay with that. And I think it's awesome that like your thought about like spinning that sort of negative about millennials into like a group of people that are all millennials who are clearly like, I mean, Aya is a- about to start a nonprofit. Like, Clearly, like <laughs> lazy is not a, a a term that would that describes millennials, especially currently, because everyone's starting their own business. They're they're doing side gigs. They're volunteering. They're standing up for things they believe in. They're tr- they're trying to make difference in our world. So it's like it's it's really and you started this you know way before 
you know, COVID where the whole like great resignation thing happened and people started kind of taking control of their own lives and wanting to be more fulfilled by their positions and their jobs and whatever they have coming. But it's so important that everything you're doing is really important. But like even just that small piece of like changing the narrative of like what millennials are all about, I think is really important and really cool. And there's also a, I want to call it confusion, but like there was this thing where millennial became just a catch-all term for young people. It wasn't yeah. actually used like uh, the boomer generation or uh, Gen Xers where there was an actual time period, which there is. I just like literally looked it up and I was like <laughs> 1980 to 1995, people born in that range. Okay. So um, I'm, a, I'm a millennial. I yeah. Just, so like, confirmed. <laughs> but then there was the, you know, and not to hate on anybody. We love, all, we love all of you. But there was like the, I think it's Generation Z is the next one or something like that. Or mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and there would be like the social crazy social media trends like eating tide pods and they <laughs> and uh the news would be like millennials are out there eating tide pods and i'm like we're in our 30s <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to find meaningful work we're trying to pay off student loans <laughs> what are you talking about but uh, there's just a lot of miscommunication uh and a lot of um uh you know falsehoods about millennials in general and the, i think any kind of organization like the one that you started that's kind of trying to right some of those wrongs and not only just like bring millennials together to do good work, but also keep them in our state is super important. Oh, yeah. That's like, and it makes me, I know I keep bringing back Aya, but he's such an inspirational person and like his journey to come to Rhode Island through school and the fact that he stayed here and, you know, through uh, so many obstacles, like brought his family and their <coughs> business here. Like I'm having a network like Millennial Rhode Island, literally where your hashtag is choose RI like that has to be motivating for people I'm sure who aren't from here who are like why should I stay here I mean like you were just saying when you were a kid and I know Nick and I'm sure I've said it before when we were growing up I can't wait to leave Rhode Island mm. so like spinning that and getting people such inspirational hardworking, like innovative people to choose Rhode Island and then stay here is like such a cool idea and like a really needed because it helps it helps everyone here yeah, I mean, uh, so the positivity is is one thing. It's a great thing. And what, you know, what we were focused on um, was the holistic approach of how do you keep young people in the state? And that includes changing um, public policy. And in terms of flipping the, the negative into a positive, that's something that, you know, I, in my adult years, have always been really um, uh, intrigued about, you know, being proud to be a kid from the south side of Providence. Um, you know, with all the negative connotations that could come up, you know, talking about the South Side or, or, or Broad Street or stuff like that. And um, just being from where I'm from. And, and I really love, and I think we did a great job of that in Rhode Island, flipping the term millennial to a positive and, and creating more awareness, at least uh, in the state. But I would say when I, I did the op ed in the Pro Joe in 2014, uh, this is right after you know, the, the elections of, you know, Governor Romando, obviously Mayor Olorza, um, we were focused on what could we do within public policy uh, with our with our network. And if you look at a lot of the, the policies that they enacted, it was a focus on how to keep young professionals uh, in the state. Mayor Olorza created a, a, a millennial task force, um, submitted a report, uh, focused on uh, a lot of different initiatives, one being 
just simply how do we appoint young people to boards and commissions, which I think he's been um, very successful at, along with um, how do we just change our city to make it more um, approachable and, and more advantageous for young people. I would say for Governor Raimondo in, in 20, I believe 2016, you know, we had a press conference talking about first time homebuyer uh, program where we did an event with uh, Rhode Island Housing that allowed individuals that just graduated college, let's get you a first time homebuyer grant so you could buy a house, stay in the state. Along with, you know, testifying on legislation from um, Representative Chris Blazajewski and State Senator Ryan Pearson on the, the Wavemaker program, which is a tax credit um, for individuals right now in the, in the STEM field uh, on their student loans. If you live and work uh, in the state that, you know, Governor Raimondo also uh, champion. And along with the RI Promise Scholarship, which is to lessen, you know, to, to lessen that college debt, we need to have, we need to be focused on free um, public college uh, tuition. So those were some of the things that we were also focused on above the positivity and the human connection, along with the professional development. In order to actually keep young talent in the state, it takes public policy, it takes government investment, um, along with also like the business sector understanding, you know, what type of HR policies or requirements or culture needs that we need to be focused on uh, to, to keep young people in general. And I know that's sort of like a broad conversation nationally with, with, with corporations. So I think we did a really good job, um, especially built with the with, with the board and um, having uh, being able to have political connections, to be able to have uh, our voice heard, testifying legislation to sort of make uh, some impact on, on those things. And, you know, Rhode Island's small. So if you get a message loud enough, and I think we're very successful in doing that, that just has a ripple effect and being able to sort of um, inspire or change the, the hearts and minds of, of, of policymakers. Um, and I would say Aya was definitely very instrumental in a lot of our our work as well when he was, you know, our, our volunteer executive director and did, you know, such a lot of um, uh, great work. And I think that's also been another part of Millennium Rhode Island. There's been so many great, so many great individuals, so much great talent that has, uh, that I've been really fortunate uh, to work with and interact with um, mm. through that time period. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot, a, a big theme for, for all of these conversations we've had with all of the amazing people on these lists is like, you know, you read an article or you see an Instagram post or you, you know, you click on a link and go to a website and you get to hear or get to see, right? Like you get to see the surface, like you get to see maybe what an organization is about, what someone is up to, what their sort of path is, what what's new with them. But what's really cool is getting to have these conversations where, you know, someone like myself sees Millennial Rhode Island as a awesome networking place for young individuals that get to meet up with other people and get to make connections in a place that they might have zero connections and not even realizing all like the policy work and all of the back end work that had to go in, into it to actually keep people here. Like that is such a, you know, cool I mean, I say the word cool, but it's like, you know, inspirational, it's meaningful, it's all these things that you and your team are doing to get people to stay here. And it's not just like, you know, hosting a networking event, but it's like actually making change and making it possible for these people who choose Rhode Island or stay in Rhode Island, you know, after college or after high school, whatever, like 
making it so they can buy homes, making it so they can, you know, feel confident to interview for certain jobs. And it's like, you know, there's just so more to it than anybody would ever just see based off of like a simple click on something. So thanks for explaining all that and, and all the work that you guys do. That's like really incredible. Um, I know, like you said before, you have like, a you know, you work full time um, yeah. in the financial sector. <laughs> this is another thing that we've realized through everyone that we've talked to for Who to Watch is like you all have like the work ethics of like, it's crazy. Everyone is like part of all different organizations. Some work full-time jobs. Some are doing, you know, their business full-time. It's just like, it's so crazy. And it's like, you know, the fact that you're able to accomplish all these things, like, is very unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, our interview with uh, Dwayne uh, Keys the other day. Yeah. And I was uh, halfway through the interview, I was like, oh, and we have Dwayne Keys, or as I'm going to call him, the busiest man on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And it's like, you know, I think I'm hoping that when people hear these, they're going to be like, oh, I could, I can do more. Like, I can be doing more for my community, for my neighbors, for my, you know, wh wherever you feel connected. It's, it's just like so inspiring. And then on top of working a, a full-time job, having a nonprofit, you're also starting a liquor business, which yeah. like, if you couldn't ask for more work. I mean, there you go. It's just insane. And I guess I want to hear about like what I guess like what keeps you motivated? Like, are you very organized? Are you do you live by Google? Like what like uh, Nick said when we talked to Dwayne, he's like, my calendar is like my I I'm always on my calendar to see like what's next. Where's this meeting? Where is I'm meeting yeah. with a client? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's yeah, I live and die by my Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I, I would say that if it's not on the calendar, it's not um, happening. It's not going to happen. So I think that's the thing. I, I would. Uh, so what I learned through Millennial Rhode Island is, um, uh, what I've learned just you know just as as a professional is my, my strengths is strategic thinking, um, being able to be a spokesperson, program development, uh, a, a lot of a lot of those aspects, especially, you know, with something like Millennial Rhode Island, like public policy and things like that, where they're interested in being an advocate um, and being able to influence uh, uh, others. Um, and what I've understood about, you know, sort of my strengths is that I lean on individuals who are more operational uh, in those aspects. And, I think that's just very important when you're involved in a lot of different projects, and especially if you're leading a project, to understand your strengths and understand, okay, these are some of my weaknesses. So this is a team I need to build, or these are the type of people I need to surround myself with. Uh, Kyla Pecker, who is our, who is our current uh, uh, volunteer executive director, uh, she works for the Attorney General um, office right now, got a, got a nice sweet gig and very proud of her. She's very much of a operational, task list, you know, type of individual. And I think like for the past two to three years, definitely further because we both went to Rhode Island College together and she's one of my closest friends. Um, we just work very well together in, in, in that aspect. Um, so I definitely want to draw that as 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 an example uh, with, with Poppy's Coquito and in, in terms of our business, we always talk about, you know, what are what are our strengths? Where can we sort of like add in? Because uh, you know, Victor Regino, who I should definitely mention, he's the mastermind behind building uh, this this liquor business. 
uh, Louis Almo. He's um, he's he's our he's our accountant, our treasurer, our, finance, our CFO, I should say. Those those individuals have both been uh, you know on the Millennial RI board. So that's another thing. Like the organization sparks out little different like business uh, uh, ventures. Um, but you know, Victor has learned the liquor business like the back of his hand. And he doesn't come from, you know, sort of that traditional construct to be able to like, hey, just jump into a, to a liquor business. And, you know, I'm brought on to the team as the uh, chief operational officer for like different strengths of, you know, being able to run Millennial Rhode Island, be able to, you know, have either some marketing, communications, et cetera, experience. And along with the networking aspect of what it would take to to sell a product, which hopefully would be out um, in, in, in February and has been like a great experience. So I think team at like i wouldn't be successful without other individuals mm. um and that's that's very like I, i'm very much not a you know i did this you know i, I did all this by by myself like it, it, everything that i've been able to been grateful to be part of has definitely been because of um the people i've been surrounding uh myself with yeah it's like having the confidence to say like these are my weaknesses and these are the because I think a lot of people want to might be afraid to be like, oh, I'm not like, you know, writing isn't my strong suit or like networking isn't my strong suit. But it seems like from your journey, like being able to say, like, I, I want to build a team that fills the, the, the space where I need work is how you're going to keep the engine running. Right. Like is how you're going to keep it going instead of, you know, thinking that, you know, you have the, all the answers. Um, I think is really, this is very, it's, I think it's a Selena Gomez quote. I, I saw it on like a, a night, like a, a she was on like a, a a talk show and she was like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And it's like, that's- Taylor Swift told Selena Gomez that. Oh, Nick, you know. Yeah, I, I saw that on an Instagram reel. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. But it's like, you know, that's so true. Like if you're the smartest person in the room, like you need to be in another room because you want, I think, being able to learn and accept other people's strengths and, and, and work together, I think, is a way stronger move than being like, I'm smarter than everyone. I know everything and you know nothing. Like it just and clearly if, if that's how you kind of have been so successful in your journey, I think that's like a really good piece of advice for people who may be interested in starting a nonprofit or starting, you know, a, a liquor business or any sort of business um, to really take that um piece of information like that's you know that's pivotal 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 it's pivotal sometimes i can't think of words <laughs> words are hard Sandra. words are hard um but yeah that's like so awesome and i'm curious just because now that we've officially confirmed that i am a millennial anybody who might be in that sort of like young entrepreneurs or new to the state like how do you get how would someone get involved with millennial rhode island yeah, you know, so one, I want to talk about like the, the age group thing. When we first started, you know, academic reports were like 1979 to 2000. <laughs> we've kept that to keep as much of a broad brush yeah. as, as possible. Totally. Um, and now I think, yeah, Nick, to your point, I think it's 1982 or 1980 to 1995, right? Like that's yeah, the official, yeah. that's the official one. So yeah, it is like different. Um, to be involved uh, with Millennial Rhode Island, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be really honest, like the, the COVID atmosphere um, for, and we did a, a lot of virtual events, you know, I think even a lot of them, we did Facebook lives. Um, 
around uh, financial literacy workshops with Bank Newport. Bank Newport has been a great partner uh, with us. And I talked with a lot of different individuals and I was like, I'm virtual now. Like I can't do mm-hmm. another <laughs> another <laughs> virtual. I can't stare at the screen um, anymore. He says um, as he's staring at a screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Right? I, it, yeah. I, yeah uh, it's really getting funny. old, man. It is getting old. It is. It is getting old. And um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, but currently it feels a little bit like March 2020 vibes. But I know it's not. I know it's not the same. Um, right now, reach out to us on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our, our our public socials that's sort of the best way we're, we're monitoring that if you're interested in getting involved and you know we're looking for for new board members we're looking for so if you're an individual that loves planning events if you're interested in sort of like getting involved in public policy of how do you keep young people in the state and i would say what the focus of of gen z millennials are are, are aging right and no know, yeah right and <laughs> and i think the purpose of of our, this new purpose um, would be is how do we connect Gen Z individuals who have went through COVID and might ha- might not have networked or been connected with our, our community, been staring at screens, they've been onboarded potentially virtually. Um, how do we get those individuals to feel uh, more at home in the state, but also how do we make sure we have public policy programs to ensure that they're not going off to, to different areas? Because we just barely... Um, survived in keeping our congressional seat with the with the last census and you did see there was an uptick of young professionals uh in the state and i believe the policies that have been enacted even larger than have you know being able to create the message that we create about Rhode Island being a great place to live work and play those policies i'm pretty sure had a lot to do with keeping a net number of individuals uh, in the state and, you know, by the skin of our teeth, keeping that. So, you know, if individuals that want to just be involved in a nonprofit, you know, get your hands in. And, you know, what I tell a lot of people that have been involved, if you're doing one thing for your job, but you're really interested in getting a different experience, you know, maybe you've never been exposed to communications like in your job, but, you you know, you really, you're really interested in that and you really want to be involved. Um, you know, there could be an area for you to get that exposure and add that as a as a resume experience. Um, and that's that's what I want to use Millennial. And that's what we have used Millennial Rhode Island for as a platform for other people to either build strengths and then have that go on to uh, a future opportunity. And you never know, maybe even network with individuals, you may land a job opportunity that's more beneficial for you. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of um, individuals that have had Either they've met their 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 partner that they're gonna get married with, <laughs> they've learned how to buy their, their first home, you know, they've gotten a job through the network. Um yeah, so it's it's been sort of a great experience of when you bring a whole collective of talented, diverse individuals that wanna stay in the state. Um, I think good good things happen. So always feel free to reach out via social media or even me individually. I'm 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 on all social media outlets. If, if anyone wants to have a conversation. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I just kind of had this thought while uh, you were talking um, about, uh, you know, maintaining, literally maintaining population within the state. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
there's a, a term, a general term used by like, uh, I think it's mostly used by like media. Um, I think they use it. Polling uses it um, is like the, they literally call it like the target demo, the target demographic. And I believe the target demographic is 25 to 47. Um, and so millennials, if it's, and I might have terrible math here, but if it's 1980 to 1995, that is 26 to 41. So like, the millennials are literally almost the entire target demographic. So it's the, the, the demo that like the general, um, when you're developing for a demo, it is literally the millennials now. So like, if you are trying to keep, uh, you know, your population up, if you want to have a competitive marketplace, if you need new workers, if you need people, uh, that are in the right age bracket, it is, millennials so <laughs> really anything yeah. that people can do to maintain our like millennial generation within the borders of their state for whatever reason selfishly they might have <laughs> the, yeah. the, we are the ones you're going after so i mean it is very interesting i didn't even think about it that way until now yeah yeah go ahead Travis. I, I was i was gonna say one of the things i'm, I'm concerned about is our, our current housing market in the state it is getting Rough. absolutely it's absolutely nuts right now um i've been looking at you know different apartments um i want to i want to buy a house and i think i could get to that point middle of the year end of the year uh but then it becomes the aspect of you know is it the good financial decision given where the housing market is right now and i know a lot of individuals um that 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 are thinking about and contemplating that, but the rental market is absolutely crazy, especially in in Providence, and I'm I'm concerned about that, and I'm also concerned about you know as millennials are aging, you're leaving that entry level position, and you're looking to see like, hey, how do I elevate? How do I get in those C suites? How do I you know how do I become a director, manager, and you know do those opportunities exist? In Rhode Island, or is it elsewhere? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we need policies that definitely focus on housing uh, for that uh, for that demographic. Um, but also, there should be coordination around uh, corporations and you know retention of this demographic to make sure whether it's culture benefits. Um, my employer right now they have a, a student loan repayment benefit. I think is you know fantastic. Uh, other corporations, uh, you know, I hope, you know, definitely offers uh, similar similar programs. But Boston is right there, right? Um, and we've seen a lot of migration to down south, Texas, Florida, um, other areas. I think our generation is not afraid to go and move and elsewhere if there is an, an opportunity, especially if it's housing and with the with with another job um i i hope over the next 10 years uh whether it's you know our corporate leaders our elected leaders um and obviously you know we'll continue to at least have a be a voice and be an advocate but that we really focus on on those those critical issues and our education system i would say i i, I thought in there that's really big uh you know a lot of a lot of millennials right having families I'm becoming an outlier in terms of one of the, the last few uh, of my friends to not have a child right now. <laughs> okay, all right. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, they're, they're, their kids are aging. And, you know, I'd imagine if they're thinking, like, is this the school system for, 
for my child. And then, and then, and I have to be honest, you know, beyond the Providence School Board, you know, I'm very concerned about the the future of our of our city's education system. Um, I I feel very comfortable kind of saying this because I voted against sort of the takeover that that's happened with the state. But I do not believe the the current state takeover has been good for our city. I think these are individuals that were well-intentioned um, and wanting to do something right because wanted to fix something. But, you know, when we were going through that, that, that takeover process, there was a lot of research that shows that takeovers give mixed results. And in the John Hopkins report, it, it talked about that there was a lot of bureaucracy um, in, the, in the current system pre-takeover. And I think with the takeover, we've just added more um, bureaucracy, right? We've, we've had a superintendent resign in, in scandal. Um, you know, there is still a school board and I'm happy to play a, play a role there, but we're in an advisory aspect. So it, it kind of, is, there is some sort of confusion of who calls the shots, right? In, in a lot of ways, given where, where we're at. And it's just not a good structure uh, for our city. Um, especially since we haven't really changed the way we are funding our schools at, at all. And there hasn't been a focus, that hasn't, in, in my opinion, there hasn't been a real focus on how do we diversify our, our education workforce. If you want a, if you're building a company, right, a large company, and you want a skilled workforce, it starts with diversity, right? Like in terms of skill set, but also with our with our students, right? Large number, overwhelming large number of our students are students of color. And I believe 77%, I hope I'm correct with that, of our education workforce teachers are, are white. And, you know, if you're a student going in and that's all you see, you know, is that uh, along with sort of the experiences and, and, and all of that, that's not the best. Uh, situation for our students, especially with, you know, if we're talking about ELL or, and things like that. So I've been really big on diversifying our education workforce because I think that's a big piece to having just a better education system for Providence, a better um, culture for for our, our, our education system, um, and hope to be a, a voice and an advocate for one. How do we get our schools back to, to the city? How do we actually get the state to equitably equitably fund our education system with a high focus of um, the human capital that exists within our buildings. How do we make sure our buildings are actually not looking, um, you, you know, they don't have, they're not in poor condition, right? So if you're a student um, and you, you come from poverty, unfortunately, and you went into a school building that has, you know, is not temperature control, right? leaks everywhere and you know you don't ever see a teacher that's a te that looks like someone you grew up with right that doesn't look like anyone you ever interacted with and it's different you know what are we necessarily doing in terms of making sure that those students um su succeed uh sorry to go on a, on a tangent with with that but i think that's i think that's just so critical as you know millennials are thinking about I want to live in Providence, uh, you know, if, especially if I want to live in Providence, but I'm having a family, is the school system mm. the right choice yeah. for, for me? 
Yeah, you end up you probably right now end up with quite a bit of people choosing to like still work in Providence but live just outside of it and go to uh, you know put their kids into even if it's like say North Providence or even as far out as like you know Cumberland, Lincoln, Smithfield or you know go south, go Warwick, Cranston, uh, and there might be you might be losing uh, you know uh, tax paying homeowners uh, even though you still have the workers uh, just because the, they're not their confidence in the school system is lacking. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, I mean, yeah, the it's a tangent, but it's a tangent worth taking. Yeah. So. It, and I'm really, really thankful that you honestly went on that tangent because as someone who lives in Providence, you know, I, I try to be as up to date with things going on as possible, but it's nice to hear from someone that's like in the middle, like we're on the board, like trying to figure things out on like what, change needs to happen. I think we've, I think, and I know it's been important forever, but I think a lot of people are realizing diversity matters. Like is it matters so much for anyone, for, for everyone, especially like you said, if you go through the school system, you're, you know, for 12 grades and you never see a teacher that looks like you, is that going to make you want to become a teacher? Is that going to make you want to, you know, feel empowered to like, express your story and and try to get, you know, understanding from someone like I I would assume no. I've never, you know, been I've never had that problem before. So I can't obviously I can't speak for that, but hearing from you Travis just, you know, brings of hearing about it is is so much lends better. Lends a bit of context to the problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and like go ahead. And I I I I one piece one important piece to this. Teachers need to be paid yeah. Way more Way better. Than, than what, the, yeah, I, I think the, um, again, it's always tough when you have numbers for me, but I think the entry level Providence school teacher gets paid 40000 um in, in that range. Um, if you're in college and you, you may be like, oh my God, I love to be a teacher. And you're looking at, you know, the different entry level salaries. And I think if you're in college, a lot of individuals get exposed to that and you're like oh, I have forty thousand dollars compared to you know if I'm a pharmacist or from an accountant if I'm a, you know like if I strive to be a lawyer mm. um and an entry level salaries you know I I personally think teachers should be getting paid seventy five thousand dollars minimum I think they should have access to 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 bonuses and yeah. um other incentives that you know uh, big corporations can offer uh to employees and that would fix education long term. Not only in Rhode Island, the country yeah. in general. If you made teaching um, as much of a high-paying position as you know how people view doctors. Oh my God, you're a doctor. You're a lawyer. Like mm-hmm. you, you must be doing very well for yourself. Teaching is one of the most important positions mm-hmm. that a period, right, in our yeah. society, right? Education. But yet it's funded in a way that, that it's not. And I would add that to childcare workers too, right? My mom's been a childcare worker um, for, for a very long time. She's never made over $35,000 in a year as a childcare worker. She is taking care <laughs> of individuals. Raising. She's yeah. raising children. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it, 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 well, it's a huge it's a huge problem. I, yeah, I just quickly did some uh, fast Googling and fast, ma- fast math. Um, if that's accurate, the, in the um, average starting salary is around $40,000 for a teacher. Um, I just looked up the average uh, rent in Providence is a 
just shy of twenty two hundred dollars a month, which gets you to like around twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars a year. So that means that uh, if you're making forty thousand dollars a year, but you live in Providence, um, you are left with like what is that? Uh, Thirteen thousand dollars for the whole year for everything that's not rent. <laughs> and not even to talk about like, <laughs> like that's, paying it's taxes. Impossible. Yeah, like it's that's yeah, that's not utilities and yeah. food and all of the, everything else that you need to survive as a human. Uh, that's just literally putting a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know. 70% of your pay has yeah. to go to that. Like that just doesn't work out. And especially when it is somebody that's providing a, you know, works at public schools. There's different stories for like, if you work at a private school or if you work for universities or what have you, but if you work for a, a public school, educating um, the children of the people who live around you and you can barely afford to live in that place. And I would argue at that pricing and that uh, salary, you can't afford to yeah. live in that place. No. Uh, then, you know, what there's, something seriously wrong with that situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And we want, right, and ideally you would want teachers to live within the community, mm-hmm. right? You want you want to have you want to have that focus. You know, a couple of other aspects I think the state could do to help help out this problem. So I know Round Foundation um they they put uh they funded a program uh to diversify the education workforce in terms of offering student loan um forgiveness. But it would it's it's so few dollars. And I think that's something the state could really stretch out either to try to increase the education, uh, the, the diversity of the education workforce for the state, or just put that for teachers in general through the Wavemaker program, for, for example. Um, you know, there's so many different policy offerings that that get made. But again, the, the salary aspect to make sure that teaching the profession is as competitive as other um, other high earning jobs. I think that is the, the true solution, along with being able to to make it easier for individuals and other professions to become a teacher, or to help our teacher assistant type pipeline that are within the schools um, become teachers, which are, which is something like the Equity Institute is 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 working on the human capital that exists within our, our school buildings. Like like that's where. I think a lot of this, um, a lot of this can can really help and change and impact uh, our schools for the schools for the better, mm-hmm. um, along with a whole host of things. But I've been really, you know, hyper focused on. We really need to get focus on diversity in, in Providence, and I think that's one of the issues that kind of gets left to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, and uh, so yeah, there was uh, the the king of all tangents which is what we're great at so i like it but it was, uh, it was yeah but it was like the best tangent ever <laughs> so thank it. you um and i just in the interest of time and making sure we kind of get through everything that we wanted to get through um uh, in case we haven't touched on something that you did want to touch on um you know pillar number two of the who to watch series is uh you know what big uh or exciting things are happening in 2022 in this upcoming year um so with millennial ri uh and if you have anything that we didn't get to talk about or that you wanted to touch on before uh we end up running out of our time here (laughs) yeah you know um in terms of the aspect of of being busy right and having (laughs) a lot of having a lot of things um i would say i've had to i've had to scale back i've had to resign from some boards and kind of be more mindful of, of my commitments. And I know from other busy people, they've, they've hit a wall at one point where I'm like, I'm spreading myself um, too thin. And I think one of the things that I did in 2021 that I'm going to continue to focus on 2022 is just to focus on health and being 
as you know, I started running 5Ks and Good trying to go you. to the gym as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm. I, it's not like I love running. I don't want to. I don't want to like. <laughs> I don't want to like advertise. Like, but it, it, you know, it was, it was a great way, mindfully, to, to do to do all that and just have that space to take care of, of health. Because a lot of people that choose to be busy or highly engaged, highly active, I think there's sometimes there's a sacrifice that comes comes for that, especially if you spread yourself too thin. Um, and I think I'm getting to that point where I find um, that that balance. As for you know professional goals uh, going forward, um, with Millennial Rhode Island looking to recruit new board members, hopefully get a consistent schedule of in-person events where we could do it you know safely uh, in a way. We we had two great events um, during the summer. Uh, it was mostly uh, outside. It was very well attended. A lot of people were very excited to just like see one another, be at be at an event. Um, continue our financial literacy series with with different um, uh, financial partners, and yeah, just really build up that network with the focus of like how do we you know attract um, uh, young the Gen Z young professionals uh, into the fold and and, and get them involved. Um, and for the rest, I mean, you know, launching uh, Poppy's Coquito in you know February and March this first quarter. Of, of this year and just experiencing having a, a, a liquor uh, brand and liquor stores and getting that out and um, be able to talk about that. Maybe, maybe down the line, come on with two other business partners, kind of like just talk about that yeah. uh, even Definitely. more uh, uh, on, the, on, on the podcast. Have, have you all ever had uh, Coquito? I've had it, but not yours. I think Nick has gotten oh, yeah. to try yours. Yeah, I tried it. I tried yours at the, uh, the, the pitch contest. Oh yeah, contest. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would love to. Um, <laughs> I won't say no. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we're really excited about that because it's you know it's a it's a it's a niche uh, type of drink. It's traditionally for uh, Latinos, Puerto Ricans, kind of like a holiday seasonal type drink. But we see a lot of opportunity in promoting it and saying coquito season uh, is every season, you know, and and, and really just making that drink. Um, similar to like rum chata can be drank mm-hmm. at any time. People could drink Bailey's at any time. So we're really entering um, into that market and looking to try to educate uh, 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 that type of drink, bring more awareness. So really excited about that. Um, and, and, for, and for the next year, really excited to just, oh, for Millennial Rhode Island, like we had a, we had a scholarship program with the Lieutenant Governor's Office. Um, it was an entrepreneur scholarship, you know, a, a lot of credit uh, to, Governor McKee, when he was lieutenant governor and his staff, and we were able to award scholarships to young people who had um, business ideas. And that's something, you know, we want to continue, obviously, with the transitions that took place and the pandemic kind of, you know, um, kind of left it off a year. So hopefully we can uh, do that in, in 2022. Um, and I would say, you know, with Providence Schools, and, you know, we talked a, a lot about that. Uh, yeah. There's going to be an election come up, and I think one of the biggest things we need to focus on is how do we bring the education system, our education system, back to the city of Providence um, and ensure that we have a strong governance structure, but ensure that we have a partnership with the state to long-term focus on, you know, these issues that that we talked about. Um, Because improving Providence education is, you know, obviously, it's just very important for the state, it's, it's the capital, and we, and we, and, 
you know, just proving education in general Rhode Island is, yeah. is important, but um, making sure we have a true partnership in a way. And I want to be able to sort of uh, focus that in my role as a co-chair of the um, uh, policy committee uh, on the school board. So that's what I'm looking for 2022, along with traveling and trying to, you know, try to enjoy life as much as possible. <laughs> it's, I, I love this, you you're everything that you're doing and everything that you're putting your focus on is like very motivating makes I think people hearing you talk will make people really want to stand up for especially this I mean everything but I think one of the biggest topics that we talked about on our tangent was like the school system and in in order for millennials and like target demos to stay in Rhode Island they need to feel confident in their schooling system and and so having people like you at the helm working on boards and, and trying to make sure that the policy and the and the government and the state kind of all match up, I think people are going to feel confident, but also know that like everyone has to do their part to try to make this better. Um, but all this to say, like, I love how you're like, oh, yeah, 2022, I'm really going to focus on me and my, you know, my health and all this stuff. And then you're like, and <laughs> let me list off a hundred things that are happening. I'm opening, you know, we're starting a liquor business. We're working on schooling. We're working on, and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this is a lot of things still. <laughs> I, I can say it's tough to, the, to, to describe myself. And the reason why Millennial Rhode Island, uh, so after kind of campaign season, I had, I think, two choices. I could have either chose to work in government somewhere um, or, you know, had the opportunity to kind of like create my 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 own lane and, you know, really explore like this this interest. And I've always been one person like I don't want to necessarily be within a box uh, professionally. Um, so it's kind of just tough, like to just be able to like, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing like I'm doing all these things. And I think, you know, what I'm really in this journey it's just I'm taking opportunities that kind of fit my strengths and my interests. Um, and I just want to be part of a lot of dope things. Like mm -hmm. if I if I have the the time to to be able to do that and not necessarily be within a, a, a box professionally. Um, and I you know, I think there are there are a lot of people that they 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 want to be focused on laser focused on one thing, and I, I think that's great. Um, and me, it's just, you know, I got one life to live and I want to be able to say. I've had the opportunity to be able to do a whole bunch of things. So we'll, we'll see if that, that works out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. I mean, I, I like the idea of uh, just kind of going where life takes you and uh, doing things that you just find interesting and not feeling like you have to be stuck in one spot. Um, and that this was uh, an awesome conversation. We're hitting yeah. almost an hour now. So I want to just uh, wrap us up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I wanted to thank you for coming on uh, and taking the time. And I'm really happy that we uh, – you know, have you on our who to watch list. Uh, everybody's been so great. Uh, and this was an awesome conversation. And our last part is always just, uh, you know, for our listeners, what's the uh, easiest way to kind of keep up to you? What's going on? Keep up with Millennial Rhode Island, Puppy School Quitos. Uh, what do you have on for social and websites and all that fun stuff? To, it's time to plug. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm very much, I'm easy to find either on Twitter at Travis Escobar, Instagram at Travis. Like, uh, if you Google my name, you'll be able to find. I think a lot of my my my, my social uh, outlets and, and LinkedIn um, for Millennial Rhode Island. Our website is www.millennialri.com, but we also have our, our social outlets: uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, primarily. Um, Poppy's Coquito, uh, the same way. 
but if you follow me, you'll probably find, you know, sort of sort of those brands um, in general. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty easy uh, to to get in touch with for for any individual that listens and um, wants to be connected. Really, all the host of things that I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Whether whether you're interested in kind of starting a nonprofit, uh, wanting to start a business, in, involved in the education system. Had a huge public policy background, United Way, which we didn't even touch, but like we want to be involved in the advocacy uh, of statewide policy stuff. Um, I could definitely uh, share, you know, uh, some knowledge on on those topics. So always feel free to grab a grab a call or a Zoom, given the state. But I, I lend myself open to to taking meetings with different individuals because I think part part of my success was individuals being able to do that for me when I when I've had ideas and when I you know when I've needed help. Um, so I'm always that type of person uh, to take a call or whatever um, from anyone that's looking to do good work in, in Rhode Island. Yeah, it feels like with all of our especially I mean everyone that we've talked to that we've been lucky enough to talk to from the podcast, like it's so it just I think especially over COVID, we've all missed that like human connection with people and having conversations about things that like aren't in your wheelhouse that you may not be um, privy to and you have no experience with. And it, I feel like we need to have like a who to watch series part two, because yeah, right. every single person that we've talked to, um, Aya, Amber, Dwayne, I know I'm going to miss names, Jem, um, Jennifer McClendon from Trinity Rep, like all of these people, Travis, yourself, like all of these people, everyone is doing such incredible things that it's like, I don't want the conversation to end. <laughs> like it needs to go forever because everything <laughs> is so interesting and, and is a call to action and, and it means something. So thank you. And and I hope, you know, with Poppy's Coquito and all the things coming up, I'm, I really hope that we get to hear more from you and from your, you know, the people you, you run Poppy's Coquito with. Like it's, it's so inspirational. So thank you for being here and thank you for promoting and motivating other millennials to stay here. Like you're really kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> No, no th- thank you for that. Um, I'm I'm glad to be on uh, the, the Who to Watch list. But uh, no, thank you again for for bringing me on. For um, um, yeah, just for including me on the list um, and and things like that. So. No, wonderful and uh thank everybody for listening yeah. uh this was a great episode and uh you know we will be back on uh the these who to watches are coming out multiple times a week uh so there'll be another episode out uh shortly after you listen to this one so you can get more inspired baby <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for listening everybody Have thank a you bye